Hey, what's happening? Welcome back to another episode of the Shortest Path podcast. Today, we were speaking with AJ Leon, who is an entrepreneur, author, speaker, and he's known very well for his unique approach to life and business. He's the founder and global creative director of Misfit, an eclectic collection of businesses and social enterprises all across the world. Now, with Misfit, they build, invest, and they manage companies with a heartbeat. And on top of this, AJ, he's not your typical entrepreneur. He's a filmmaker, artist, designer, producer. And let me tell you, the list does truly go on. So in this episode, we talk about the why and the how. All of these diverse interests fit into his life without him losing focus and how we can do it for ourselves. Also in this episode, we talk about the importance of not being driven solely by financial success why we should define our own core values and how we can use them as a guiding principle in decision making. And finally, why it's a bad idea to focus on just the one thing. So without further ado, let's get to the show. You're quite a unique, I don't even want to say entrepreneur, I want to say person to begin with, right? Because there's so many different facets in terms of who AJ Leon is. So whether it's the philanthropy, whether it's the filmmaker, whether it's the entrepreneur, whether it's the advisor, whether it's the investor, whether it's the creative writer, like there's the director, there's so many different elements. Like how do you make all of those things kind of fit in into say who you are? Yeah. Um, so many moons ago, I was living another person's life. And I, I mean, I was, I had a very successful banking degree, uh, uh, career after going to PricewaterhouseCoopers and going, I won't bore you with the whole story. When I evacuated that life, I made myself a promise that, and it occurred to me that this is my one and only life. No redos, no mulligans. This is all you get. And the moment, the difference between me, I find, and most people that I meet to them that sounds like Hallmarkian wisdom. Beautiful thing to put in a fucking birthday card, right? What a great speech. Oh, it's so inspiring. It's not inspiring. It's facts. And to me, that shit is imprinted on, my, on the inside of my fucking heart, right? So every morning I wake up with that, and that is what calibrates all my decisions from that moment forward. And from that moment forward, I'm like, okay, this is my one and only life, and I'm going to be, I'm going to live it a thousand percent flamboyantly me. And I'm not going to fucking dilute it at all. There's some trade. There's always trade-offs. You got to make money. You got to figure this out. But as long as you're willing to be creative, you know, and, and you might fail, right? The reality is I might have ended up living in a fucking car with my wife. And I got to be okay that it was, you know, the adventure of a lifetime. And we ended up flaming out, right? It, it ended up, well, it's, that thus far, it's still working out for me, you know? But it could have gone the other way. And I'd still be okay with that. Because for me, it's, it's you know... It's a story that you live. And that, that kind of like pursuit of everything, I saw that was when the name of your website, has that always been there for you from like a very young age? Or was it at that stage at say PwC or the financial services company that you said, I'm done? Is that where the epiphany came from in terms of trying to get everything? Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I, 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 I you know, I grew up rough and, and in a weird way, but I was always a dreamer and I always, I have kaleidoscopic interests. I like to say I, I'm just interested in a lot of different things. So 
even from the time when I was a kid, I did want to get involved in a lot of different things. I didn't understand, especially as you get to university, the, the kind of the, the, the wisdom that you get today, right, all over is focus on one thing and focus on it hard, right? Focus on one thing. That's not my experience. For me, it's like I don't want to focus on one thing. I like to do lots of different things. Right. So then I'm, I'm there trying to figure out, can I build a life where I get to do all the things by the time I check out? Right. That I get to do all the things that I like to do. I didn't get to do that all at once from the very beginning because there's this economic cycle. You got to figure out how to fund the things that you want to do, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I had that, you know, since I was a kid, it got totally squeezed out of me. It got squeezed out. Because yeah, you it. went into finance, right? Totally. Dude. <laughs> totally. You know, and I and, and you go into why like why do you go into that stuff? You know, to you make money. Yeah, well, and, and, and what's the layer under, underneath that? As a son of two Cuban immigrants, mm. I gotta be successful. Yeah. I'm an eighteen year old kid, I've got no guidance. There's no this isn't like, you know, I mean the only thing you got is Tony Robbins fucking cassette tapes, right? You know what I'm saying? This isn't the internet of today where like we're getting a lot of information, there's a lot of different ways to kind of make a living. You know, now, you know, we're we're going back to 2008 and 2004, 2003, 2000 like there you're just how do you become successful? You make as much money as humanly possible and you bury your fucking detractors in it. And that's what I was planning on fucking doing and I started doing it. But the only problem is I hated my fucking life. You know, I hated my fucking life, and I was living some other motherfucker's life. Was that from the beginning, you say, as soon as you started your, like, grad, grad, grad job? Bro, the day I graduated, like, I, I gra- so uni, I was like, I was on a mission, because when I was a kid, everybody thought I was going to dr- be a drug dealer. All I could do is put a nine-inch ball into an 18-inch hoop, and everybody thought I was going to be a dr- drug dealer. They tried to kick me out of school, all that shit. So when I got to university, I blew out my knee, couldn't play ball, and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to take this shit seriously. You think I'm stupid? And then I was like on a mission to prove everybody wrong. I graduated three, three degrees in three and a half years, summa cum laude, number one in my class in each fucking degree. They couldn't even write it in the registrar. They couldn't even put it in their fucking old ass system because at that point you can only get two degrees. And I did that on the slide because that was on, I was on a mission. So I was, I was straight, happy. I'm like, yo, shit, I was getting into you know, Shakespeare, all things that I hadn't gotten into when I was a kid. And I loved university. I lived in that motherfucking library. I didn't drink a drop of alcohol until I was 26, 27 years old because I come from a family of alcohol. And I'm like, no, 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 not me. I'm not going to go down that way. I'm going to get my degrees. I'm going to, um, and, and that game, I was great. And then after that, I'm like, oh, how, do, how can I get into, oh, I got a, I got interviews with PwC. It was fucking hard. For a kid like me, I got no connections, no network, and I didn't graduate from motherfucking Harvard. So to get into some of these like PwC, McKinsey, all that shit, it's like you got to fucking hustle. So I'm hustling everybody that I know. Oh, you know anybody? Blah, 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 blah. I finally got an interview. Five interviews later, I got that job. Day one, I'm like, I fucking did it. Day two, I'm like, what the fuck have I done? What the fuck have I done? I'm looking around at this thing, and I'm like, I'm a smart guy, right? And I'm not going to lie to myself. I might lie to the world. I'm not even going to lie to me. All we're doing is pushing paper money around, you know? In the end, what I'm doing is just making rich, fat, white dudes richer. That's it. And there's a fucking building, right, that I'm a part And all of us are part of this fucking thing. And I'm not trying to throw shade at anybody in that industry, and I know I'm going to get, you know, but, like, that's how I felt from the moment. But what the fuck do you do, dude? You know, what do you do? The, the reality is, like, there's not, you know many uh, options right it's like now there's more options at that point it's like 
Okay, so then I kept on going down that track. I kept on, you know, and I was good. During the day, man, I was like killer. You know, I killed it at my job and I pivoted from one, you know, uh, firm to another. I mean, I killed it. No one would know the story. They'd be shocked. Like, what? Because during the day, I'm and then at night, every day, I'm losing another piece of myself. That the real AJ Leon somewhere in there is just crumbling every fucking day of my motherfucking life. And I don't know how to save myself. I don't know how to save myself because I'm making money and I'm the envy of all my friends. And what do you do? You know, to walk away from failure, it's fucking easy. You nut up, dust yourself off, and continue fucking walking. To walk away from success, it's fucking impossible, dude. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how the fuck do you do it? And I didn't know until that one day where it's like I, I switch everything around. And, but that's why that day just fucking stuck with me. Because I, it was everything. It wasn't like, oh, I left my career and now I'm going to pursue new things. I didn't have enough fucking idea what the fuck I was going to do. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. This game, I'm inside the game now. I'm at the center of the motherfucking game. I, I envied the game. I wanted to be in the game. I thought getting to the game and getting to the top of the game, that I would, that's it. That I, would, I would be at the top, right? But when you reach the top of a pinnacle, that the top of a pinnacle of a mountain, right, that somebody else built and you realize, like, these are all other people's dreams, man. And I'm living, I'm, I'm just a part of this fucking system that doesn't need, it's not even about money. It's not even about the fact that I'm making these people richer or whatever, even though that's, that, you know, that kind of sucks, obviously. It's about the fact that I have no agency. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just a fucking number out here. You know what I'm saying? And at the moment I exited that, I'm like, never again. I am never do. That's why I'm always like, even though I'm an investor, right? I, I like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm an investor. I, I had this conversation with you. <laughs> and I'm also like, hey, be, be careful, though, because I'm the guy who's going to tell you, like, make sure you want to go down the track, you know, because I don't want to put anybody in a position that they end up, you know, creating a prison, except it's locked from the inside and they're the ones holding the fucking key, because that's what happened to me. When you're crushing it, especially in a world where you're making enough money, it's easy to tell yourself that as I get more senior, eventually I'll have time to do my other activities or my other kind of hobbies. Why didn't that occur as a thought to you? Like, okay, I'll wait till I'm, say, I'm 40 or 50 and then I can do whatever. How old are you? 33. Okay. I'm 41. My dad died when he was my age. That's why. You know, people... You're going to tell yourself you got until whenever. Mm. And I'm going to tell you that nobody talks about the population of the dead. <laughs> yeah. There's no infographic about the population. No one talks about the how many people die before they get to fucking 50. No one wants to talk about that. Well, it's a lot of fucking people. I, I, I experienced a lot of motherfucking death in, when I was a kid. For men that did not reach these epic ages where that's the time when you get to do all the fucking things that you want to do. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's a false economy. I don't fucking buy it. I got a short life. You know, now I'm 40. I'm going to turn 41. That's like, for me, that was like, I got to do everything I'm going to do before that. Because any day I'd get after the day I turned 41, that's gravy, homie. Mm -hmm. That's like fucking cherry on top. That's the way I fucking viewed it. And that's the reality. You could die motherfucking tomorrow. Yeah. And th your proximity to mortality is everything, right? And our, it's, not just more, it's not just the idea of mortality, because we all know we're going to die, blah, blah, blah. But it's your proximity to mor mortality, right? Because if you think, if I, it, you know, not, not you, the proverbial you, the person we're talking to, right? If you, if you knew you're going to die in a month, would your decisions change from what you're doing today? 
Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Six months. Yeah. Two years? Yeah. Ten years. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, you're 33, so statistically you only got 30 more than what I've just said. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit. You know, and I'm not saying, I'm not like, oh, everybody's got to leave their job. And, you know, some people might not be able to do that. You know, sometimes it's got to, you got to be like, okay, you got to keep this job and you got to mm. figure out how can you do the things that you want to do. And maybe that's working a four day week or negotiating something with your boss or moving somewhere fucking different or mm. doing things on weekends that, uh, you know, I don't know, like every, I'm not a fucking, that's why when people ask me to do these things, by the way, mm. I never fucking do them. I never fucking do them because everybody thinks I'm proselytizing or I'm like Tony Robb telling everybody to leave their fucking job. I'm not saying, I'm saying I can't, I, I got that epiphany mm -hmm. and I'm like, I got to do something fucking different here because me mortality, it's not like I, I'm, I see it in the rear view mirror all yeah. the time, man. Changes all my decisions. So when, when you're even having those conversations, especially because, as you said, son of two Cuban immigrants, there's a lot of, I don't want to say pressure, but there's a lot of status that comes with, you know, you killing it. And to tell everybody that you're about to quit your job, I don't even know if you plan to quit your job on a particular day or you just quit and then told them after. Like, how was that process in terms of doing things for yourself, regardless of what other people may think? Yeah, I mean, I... Luckily for me, I had, you know, pro probably honestly, the way that I grew up insulated me in some ways from the blows of life because I really don't give a shit what anybody, <laughs> you know, I really don't. And the reason why is because no one fucking cares. No one actually fucking cares, you know? Yeah. Your family will talk shit. Your friends will talk shit for you making a crazy decision for a week, maybe two. Then a, three weeks, they're just going back to their fucking pints and they're, they don't give a shit. So it's all a veneer. It's just like, it's one or two weeks of discomfort having mm. to tell people in your life what you've done, you know? And even, you know, my family, I like, I, honestly, this is my fucking life and it is my one and only. If anyone is going to try to dictate to me how to live the hours, the minutes, the seconds of my one and only life, even if you're my kin, you're going to have a fucking problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I had two, maybe I would have one. I'd mm -hmm. just leave one and be like, mm, this one, I'll do whatever you want, ma. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Or my friends or whoever the fuck it is. If I had three, for sure. If it's a portfolio game, right? I mean, you know, let's see how it plays out. I'll do <laughs> what they want me to do and maybe it'll be fine. You know, but I only got this one. I only mm -hmm. got this one and this one. I'm going to listen to one guy. Yeah. This guy. Love it. <laughs> so I know I sound like an asshole. No, 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 no. It's not at all. Not at all. I know I sound like an asshole. Not at all. Like, I, I think, I think. It's like, it's, who the fuck is this piece of shit? And why did I, I decide think, I think to think it's more, No, 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 no. I think it's more around like the, the kind of process of when you're able to literally, I don't know, like, I don't even know how to articulate it, like fully focus on you and yourself. Yeah. Because sometimes there's a responsibility, especially if you're like, good at school, yeah, let's just say if you're good at school, like good at, at college, right? yep. you know how to play the game in that certain way. Yeah. And so it's naturally that when you graduate and you start working in the, 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 the normal nine to five order as it is, you start playing the game that way, but then you see that there's not many results. The results don't essentially happen the way you expect it to happen. Mm. So you have to take it on yourself. And it takes a certain type of someone to kind of like extract themselves from that, especially if there isn't 
a plan per se because you said you didn't have a plan of what you're going to do I next. mean I didn't have a plan I, also so, kids I don't yeah. suggest don't try this at home I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying to anybody like oh you know just evacuate I mean I for me I, it went on too long it shouldn't have taken yeah. but no I hadn't I didn't so, so then how did you even explain that to because um, were you with your wife at that point we were four days away from getting married Okay, so how do you even? So she knew you was like devastated inside. I'm assuming she could. She knew I was devastated inside because you know, real family. Yeah. Real family, fam, fam. Yeah. When you when when at the end of your life, you know, you're gonna have, you're gonna be able to count your friends on one hand, real friends, yeah. real kin, and you're you're gonna have fingers left over. Yeah. That I promise you. Yeah. My grandfather told me that when I was a kid, and he was right. <laughs> real fam, they want what's best for you. Yeah. And they can see it inside and outside of you. I mean, she knew I was fucking dying inside. Now, I made the best of it. I'm not a bitch. I'm not gonna whine. I got myself there. I'm successful, we're making money. I'm still doing things and we're doing vacation. And I've got like, you know, but she knew. She Mm. knew, you know, because I'm like, I basically turned into a manic depressive. Yeah. You know, and I'm lost. So when I told her, you know, thank God I got, I mean, and this is, you know, partnership's very important, right? It's very important. And it's hard to describe what an amazing partner Melissa is because it would literally the immediate, I just hit the, there was no plan. It was like, I'm offered a promotion that day. I knew it was coming. I didn't know it was coming that day. It's the last day of 2007, right? Mm. You know? And then I just thought, whoa, this is it. This is the- 2007? Yeah. So in the backdrop of the financial crisis? Uh, six months before, yeah. <laughs> so- so it's great timing. It was impression. It was impression timing. It looks like it. Yeah. But yeah, it was during those days. It was during those days. Did you have like a buffer of savings like ready? No, no. because when you're a kid, I mean, I wish I did. And again, don't try this at home. Um, but when you grew up, like I, there's no financial education. You know, my dad died when I was 14 years old. Um, you know, and my, my mom, understandably, right? She, she you know, was, she checked out in a lot yeah. of ways, you know, yeah. and, and there, you know, they, and she didn't really, there just wasn't any financial education. You know, then you think, you know, you're a young kid. I was in my mid twenties, man. I, I was like, you know, you're making so much money. And the way that it's structured there is you got your salary, but you make money on your bonuses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every quarter you're going to make more money than the last quarter, as long as you stick in the game, that's part of the incentivization of staying in the game. Right. See. It's part of the game, man. I mean, it's the same thing with series, you know, like you yeah. get to series B, you know, when you're a startup founder in London, founders, look yeah. at their salaries. It's mm-hmm. dog shit. Yeah. It's a, I look at it. I'm like, oh my God, like, how can you live as a fa- Now you get to series B. It's different. Secondaries. Yeah. You can sell some of those shares. Yeah. Not series A. Nobody lets you do the series A. Yeah. Series B, they let you secondary. And then that's the taste. And, and then, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. but they're only going to give you enough on the secondary to buy a house maybe. You know, so that it's it, there's always incentives to keep you keep in. going to the next game, to the next level, to the next level. It's a, game, it's a game. Well, they need you know. It's not that, and I'm not trying to. I, lo, lo, I and a lot of VC, VCs are great, and I'm not. You know, it's the system. It's it's the structure. It's LPs, and it's the whole thing. So I'm not like saying, oh, VCs are the devil. I mm. work with a lot of VCs, and they're they're good. So that's <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Like I know that you know that. But if if anybody sits back and looks at power lock economics, yeah. I mean, they would have to say the same things I'm saying. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and that's fine if you're successful, you know, but I've seen a lot of people get a series B and then they end up selling for parts and that's 12 years, 15 years later and they've got nothing to show for it. Mm. Look at what's happening right now. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of fucking start. There's going to be a graveyard of startups, not only in London, you watch all over and they're just 
buying time, buying time, buying time. And when those, I mean, when the re rounds get repriced, like they're getting repriced now, mm -hmm. the value of that equity is going to, you know, going to late, to is going to nothing. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't get it, you know, it's going to sell for parts, you know, a lot of that private equity for, or for literally nothing, mm -hmm. you know? And then what do you got to show for? It's crazy. Because, yeah, because, like, even with that backdrop, right, and then you have no savings, and you know you don't want to go in finance, so I'm assuming you're like, I don't want to go back into that world to consult or anything like that. So, like, what was your next kind of thought? Because I guess you've got the weight lifted off you, but what did you decide to do next? Like, how did you decide what to do next? Honestly, man, like, it, it was because it was so abrupt yeah, and because it was a very, like, spiritual I wouldn't say it was a pragmatic decision <laughs> you know this yep. is four days before I got married so whatever savings I did have was spent on uh, uh, an over you know a ring that I really shouldn't have paid that much money for you know a honeymoon it was like I had planned and paid for a honeymoon all over sub-saharan Africa nice. with like you know the fucking you know luxury tents in the middle of Botswana I mean it's just like forty thousand dollars you know it's like oh yeah dude I mean it was like but that's the type of money I was making yeah Right. And I, you know, the wedding, all that stuff. Right. And I, so I had nothing. I mean, I had nothing. I, I even debt, you mm -hmm. know, but when I walked out, I, I didn't have a plan. I, I, I didn't. I just knew sometimes in life, like if you don't know what to do, a lot of people, the question that people ask themselves if they go to YouTube, they try to find advice is like, how do you find you know, your passion or what you want to do. I think the reality is a lot of us have plurality of passions. So there's, there's many things that you're going to want to do. You, you know what I'm saying? And, mm -hmm. and, and that's not the question. The, the, the real first principles question is what don't you want anymore? Right. And I knew what I didn't want anymore. Mm -hmm. So I had to walk without having the next rope to grab onto. You feel me? Yeah. yeah. It's dangerous. And it's insane, and don't try this at home. I mean, be smarter than AJ and plan and plod on nights and weekends for a year and a half to have that buffer. I, I didn't have that. That mm. was my Faustian deal. Mm. You know what I'm saying? When you're in a Faustian deal, that's the Faustian deal. I'm yeah. like, I signed the deal, I'm done. I'm out. If I make this, if I sign this deal and I accept this offer, I will never be able to walk away from this type of money again in my life. They got me, right? Yeah. Everybody's got a price, that was mine. Yeah. You want to pretend like you don't have a price? Everybody's got a fucking price. You know, everybody does. And that was mine. Yeah. And I knew the moment, oh, no, no, but next, oh, I'll, I'll leave in a year. That's not going to happen. You knew it was time. Because it's going to be exponential from there, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's no way I would have that mindset again. The mindset, that's the power. The power is reality. You know, what people call the matrix or whatever the fuck it is, right? Actually having reality distilled in one fucking brief moment, moment of audacity. That's amazing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, and that's the yeah. thing you're like, sometimes pe people are literally one brief moment of audacity away from remarkable. Mm. Just one moment where you're like, everything snaps and you're like, fuck, this is all bullshit. You might not, you don't know what the next rung is. Mm. You know, I didn't know what the next rung was, but I knew I couldn't fucking, I, 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 I couldn't do this anymore. Mm. And I let go without knowing the next one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I would not do that again. I would, I would have. I would. <laughs> you have would do it again, though, if the, if time was played back. Because oh not, no, no, I would make that decision again. But yeah. if I was coaching little AJ, I'd be like, "Look, homie, <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Yeah, because you're talented, and you're gonna work your balls off. And like my dad told me about fighting. My dad taught me how to fight when I was a kid, and he said very simply, "You can't lose if you don't quit. Keep on swinging. Keep swinging. You know what I'm saying? Mm. He's swinging. You're swinging. You just don't literally do, just stay on your feet." 
So yeah. on that, with, with your first business, your first swing, was that a home run or? Hell no. What, what was it? Oh, I mean, well, dude, there was there <laughs> innumerable, yeah. right? But the moment the, the 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 moment I launched, I was like, okay, I knew this is 2007. So, dude, it sounds ancient, right? Mm -hmm. it sounds ancient. But at the time, there were obviously there were no digital agencies. Mm -hmm. There were no there were creative Matt, you know, Madison Avenue type things, and there were not, like there wasn't like this bridge in the middle between like creative design, right, for a digital age and then digital marketing, that didn't exist. I saw a through line there. I mm -hmm. thought like, oh, that would be an interesting like intersection. It was a little early. Yeah. It was a little early, um, you know. So wait, wait, wait. You were gonna do creative design as connecting that to a marketing agency with no background of marketing. Yeah, marketing came later. <laughs> okay, so wait, so then you just saw the opportunity. I was like, okay, I'll learn it on the job kind of thing. Brand identity and design, mm -hmm. and which then turned into web, web design. Again, remember, 2007, dude, Twitter yeah. was founded in 2006. Mm. Founded at South by Southwest. I mean, Facebook was still on college campuses. Yep. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like it people didn't. Early. Yeah. People did not have websites. Yeah. You know, like I mean, normal businesses did. There was no, you know, even Wix. Squarespace was ten years away, bro. Yeah. You know, or seven years away. So mm. it was like I, I was just like, okay, I can see this Madison Avenue stuff. I worked around Madison Avenue, so I could see that big brand stuff, and then I can see this rise where this is going to become very uh, democratized. Mm -hmm. You know, can we bridge the gap and start doing like? crazy you know beautiful brand identity work so it wasn't marketing yet but like mm -hmm. if you include brand identity within marketing for startups smbs you know for for not the fortune 100 mm. right that was my thing yeah uh, in the end i was right but but at the time like at that moment i mean bro we were scraping together you know it was it was just me and melissa you know yeah. um and uh, you know we <laughs> i mean we we to also took to the road. So we were like, I mean, now it's normal to, to, you know, build a fully distributed team. I mean, we have 55 people that work in Misfit across the world. We've been a distributed company since that date. Cause mm -hmm. I also knew tying myself to an office that would impinge on my freedom, you know, freedom and adventure. I realized were my two virtues. And those were the two things that like, you want to have virtues that where you can filter out decisions mm -hmm. very easily. So anything that impinges on, on my freedom, or my ability to be adventurous, I was like, no. So if somebody, you know, if, if in New York, and we did have clients in New York that want you to have an office down the road or want you to, to be in the office as opposed to using, you know, video conferencing and stuff like that, I was like, no. So how did you get so clear in terms of like what you wanted or what your values were? Did you go through like a process, like an exercise? When I, yeah, when I left, the biggest thing that I did was I, so we had had our honeymoon and, and then we got back to New York. And at that time we were like, Honestly, I mean, my, my, you know, Melissa's still like, she was working as a teacher, mm. teacher salary. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you know, we went from like, oh my God, like Melissa's salary was like, oh, cool. That'll pay for, you know, our champagne bill or whatever, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to like, that's until the end of the year. But I had made a promise like she was going to be out too. Okay. And we we're just going to do this thing together. Um, and, and. You know, we, 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 so, so at that point, once we got back from our honeymoon, I was like, I need to, I forgot, honestly, him, like, I forgot who I was as a human being. I yeah. forgot who I was. And I needed to go on a self discovery is a really douchey term, but I needed to remember who the wild eyed dreamer of my youth was 
And the only way, the only thing that I can remember, because when I was a kid, like I said, I was crazy. I did a lot of you know, creative things. And, and one of the things that Melissa and I did together actually was produce Shakespeare and found spaces. Um, That's and, such a unique thing. I've never heard someone do that before. Yeah. 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 I mean, like immersive theaters now thing, we were doing it before. We'd like, in, I'd rent warehouses out, build sets out, and then, and then the audience would come in, wow. and then some of the audience members, they would know we're actually part of the play. And then um, we'd do that. We did Julius Caesar, Henry V, um, Henry IV, Part One and Two. Never made any money. I lost a ton of money doing <laughs> it. I wasn't about the money. I just loved doing it. Yeah. Um, and so the last thing I could, the last time I remember being on fire and, and, and feeling, you know, like who remembering who that fucking guy was mm. was when I was producing Shakespeare. So I actually booked a ticket here, landed at LHR, uh, rented a car um, that we slept in the whole time, and I didn't know how to drive stick. So I like rented this car, and then I oh you know how to drive uh, like I, all cars here are fucking manuals, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, I was, getting better, it's getting better now, but yeah. Bro, I got in. I was like, oh, no, dude. Oh, no. So I had to like, my first time driving stick was out of, like to get out of London to get oh, to Stratford-upon-Avon. Yeah. And I drove to Stratford-upon-Avon, which is the birthplace of uh, Shakespeare. And we lived, we rented a van. We lived in the van. We cooked oatmeal out of the back of the van with a little burner. And we stayed there for four or five weeks wow. um, in the spring. And that was when I just watched Shakespeare. And I sat there and I started just writing letters to a younger version of myself. Mm-hmm. And that's when things started to get like, I had that, like, I had that brief moment of audacity where I left and without the ring, yeah. the, the next rung to grab. But at that moment, that's when I started laying out like who are you like yeah. what what do you even before like people always ask oh what did you what did you do right what do you like that wasn't the question mm. right because making money dude i'm a hustler i'm the son of two cuban immigrants right <laughs> i'm gonna make money like i'm gonna make money i'm gonna be able to pay my rent and pay you know feed my wife and like we're gonna we're gonna you know like that i'll figure something out to be able to do that, but who I am, like how am I, I how am I going to make decisions of you know my one and only life and mm. and be true to myself? Like I had to, I had to, you know. Yeah. I, I I totally relate to that because I remember like for me when because when I quit and I jumped into just different things straight away, there's not enough time to really sit back and actually reflect about what you want and not what other people want, and especially yeah. like what you said really struck a chord with me about say younger AJ, younger Yemi, like who did they expect to be? I say thirty. Or not even that, like, what dreams did they have? Yep. And why are your dreams no longer present? Because there's nothing that stops us from dreaming other than the reality that we're living in today. 100%. Because all we see are the reasons why something can't happen. Yeah. But then now, it's, you kind of have to teach yourself to kind of turn away that pessimist, turn down that pessimistic voice and be like, okay, forget all of the reasons why no, tell me all the reasons why this could work. And therefore, yeah. let me think about what that future can look like. And I think, pinging on your values of, say, what is um, freedom versus that gen freedom versus adventure and knowing that adventure is what you want and being able to come back to it again and again and again yeah i think is important because even when i think about i done an exercise last year about um what my values are mm. and i always thought it was like some bullshit fluffy fluffy activity it's not going to mean anything but it really made me concentrate and understand you know what makes me me yeah because Everybody else has has their perception of who you are and you have your own perception of you are. Mm. But it's only when you go through like those types of exercises can you start seeing where the dots kind of align and yep. some things where some people might put an assumption on you as yep. who you are. You might agree with it, you might not agree with it, but at least you can understand where it's coming from. Um, but yeah, some of my um, 
some of my, what's it called, values were like things such as like growth or passion development, um, trying, mm. just trying, mm. um, responsibility mm. as well. And sometimes they come in seasons yeah. where, okay, now I might feel more responsible. Yeah. But another time you might be like, I just want to take risks. Yeah. I just want to run away from it. I just yeah. want to just see what can happen. Um, and yeah, I think there's a lot of value in doing those kind of exercises. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and you know, for me, one of the, you know, and I didn't have a framework or anything, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was just like, it's funny how writing is actually really cathartic. And I was yeah. just writing letters to a younger version of myself. That's what I do. I'd sit down every day and try to pen a, pen a letter to 18 year old AJ, mm-hmm. you know, tell him what to do, tell him how life really is. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And that through that is a cathartic thing. Cause then I'm looking back at these letters that I literally wrote to myself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I started to find through lines, you know, and for me, you know, when I say virtues, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, virtues in a traditional ancient sense, because I obviously I believe in loyalty and love mm-hmm. and, you know, all those things. But for me personally, at freedom and adventure, I, what I wanted to do is think like, go back and back and back and back and back to try to figure out what is a filter, what are filters that if a decision, anything, an investment, a client, a re- relationship, a friendship, a partnership, a trip, whatever, if it crosses these things, I know that I'm making a trade-off. Mm. And I know that that's at the root of this thing that I felt. And for me personally, it was freedom and adventure. Those are the two. I want to be free. I've never taken, now, I'm an investor and I invest, I've never taken any in, in, you know, money from anybody for that reason, right? Mm. Because I'm willing to trade away dollars for freedom. Where does that come from? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know if it's the immigrant thing, you know, like, you know, you, you, I mean, you know, I don't know. Like my family, the, you know, the, my dad was ferociously independent, you mm-hmm. know, so, so was my mom, you know, as immigrants, it's like, it's very hard for them to get jobs, right? Cause they're not even citizens. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, so then they have to like hustle to do stuff. My dad was a Coke dealer until, you know, he went to prison. Wow. Oh yeah. I mean, my dad was like, in the, like proper, you know, Coke dealer in the Cuban mafia in LA and got arrested. I mean, the first memory I had of my dad was when he was in prison and wow. yeah. I mean, Lee, if every lawyer in the United States studies Leon versus United States Supreme Court because mm-hmm. it changed search and seizure laws and all that. Um, but he was a hustler. And then by the time he got out, you know, he's a felon now. Mm. And he's a good man. The Cuban mafia tried to pull him back in. He told him to go fuck off. Yeah. And they and he never ratted anybody out. So they didn't like, you know, they, they, could, they didn't yeah. do anything to him, which is, you know, cool. And then, but you know, he's got to like hustle. He's, you know, he's got to make money. So he gets in real estate, you know, blah, blah, whatever. And I don't know, maybe it's that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I read too much fucking, you know, Shakespeare and Ibsen. I don't know, dude, you yeah. know, I don't know where I get it, but I've got like a ferocious, ferocious sense of just, just in, independence and freedom to me is, I think it's probably true of everybody, mm-hmm. but not, but in quotients, right? Some people are, are okay you know, like relinquishing freedom for me. It's like, that's why it's like people ask, aren't they the same thing? Freedom and adventure. They are kind of, but I really reserve the right in my life to fuck off whenever the fuck I want and disappear yeah. on a grand adventure. And, yeah. and you can't do that if you got, you know, a t- if you've made the trade off, like if I had a ton of stakeholders or, you know, I've never had a partner at Misfit, right? Mm-hmm. A business partner, you know, for the same reason. Well, Melissa, no? Yeah, Melissa. Yeah, but we're not. I mean, that's not a business partner. That's like. You know. Well, you know, because this is the thing. Because a lot of people, 
are turned off from getting married or settling down because they can see that might impinge on their freedom of being an entrepreneur, making money and the rest of it. But for you, it doesn't seem to be the case. At no, all. no. And, and honestly, again, like this is why like, it's hard for me to give advice because people always think that what I'm saying is, you know, like I'm proselytizing some specific way of doing it. I'm just saying this is what I went through, you know, yeah. but, but I mean, Melissa and I have been together for 20 years, bro. You know, like she, it's to, to, to say that she's my wife is just such a disservice. That's why I never say that. I'm never like, oh, this is my wife. I never talked about, about her like she's my wife. That's absurd. It's, mm. it's a, a wife. That's a fucking piece of paper. What? Because of a stupid piece of paper in New York, in, in Brooklyn. Now that it's ridiculous. Mm. You know, it's, it's a made up construct. She's my fucking boon fucking companion, you know? Boon companion till the bitter fucking end. That's not amazing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like when you got somebody like that, yeah. and some people have that in wives, you know, some people or, or husbands or, you know, some people have that in partners, friends. Sometimes you look at somebody, you're like, man, we are going to fucking ride together to the ends of the fucking earth, till the bitter fucking end. You know, Frodo and Samwise the Brave. Like it's just, <laughs> that's, you know what I'm saying? And that's why like, yeah, business partner, everything, everything mm. partner and, and, um, you know, yeah. and as the, with with the virtues, was it also for her like freedom, adventure? Was that also, um, yeah, kind of connection? Yeah, yeah. I think you know, Melissa in specific, she's like, um, she's a true believer. You know, she's a true believer. So she, if she believes, she's basically most people are only willing to go to a party once there's two or three or four people in the party. Yeah, most people don't are not willing to be the first person at the party. Melissa is the type of person like. If she believes, she's there. She'll fuck it. She'll party hard, and she'll believe other people are gonna pile in. So you know, she believed in me when no one else did, and no one else would because who the fuck am I? You know, so I'm just fucking some scumbag from fucking you know, son of two <laughs> Cuban immigrants from New York trying to make it in this dark and lonely world. Yeah. You know? So um, you do a lot of philanthropic work, mm. right? How did that come about, and um, especially how do you do it? Because you're essentially trading off making money yep. to make money for other people. Yep. Talk to me about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I, so, so like, I would look at it like, um, so underneath, I got these two virtues, yeah, right? Freedom and adventure. Those are personal things. They, they help me to filter out. It's like, I like making one decision that will help me make a thousand decisions, mm -hmm. right? Like, I just wear these pieces, pairs of shoes every day. Every day, right? I never have to think about what shoe, because I've only got my triple reds, and when they get fucking nasty as fuck, like they almost are, I just buy new triple reds, and that's it, right? One pair. So I like that. That's my fil these filters are like something comes in, oh, doesn't hit, no, 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 yes, no, no. Underneath that, things are more complicated, right? You can't live if I just live my life based on these two virtues and acted like that was real life, I'd just be a fucking hippie. Mm -hmm. I'd just be like some fucking hedonist <laughs> that's like traveling around the world eating dick and like, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, I, but I don't want to be, like some people are happy being vagabonds. I'm not a vagabond. Mm -hmm. I'm a productive person. I want to get shit done, right? But then I was thinking, well, I, was, I mean, this, you know, during this period, right? And when I was like, you know, I call myself a kid now, but I was in my 20s. I was like, okay, well, what are those things? And, and, and what, are, what are the, you know, I know the making money part. Everybody talks about that. But that's like, of course you got to fucking make money, right? You got to make money to be able to pay rent, pay. I get it, right? That's the game that that this whole thing is based off of, right? But then it's like, okay, so there's this commercial. I'm going to call it commercial, right? This, this is making money, however the fuck you do that, 
right? But is that 100% of who we are? No. And when people try to say, like, this is why a lot of people are in this cul-de-sac, because what they're told is that your every all of your passions need to align with what how you make money. Say and that again, yes. That's yep. insane, right? This is how you make money. These are the things you like to do, right? Sometimes these concentric circles will meet just like this, and there's going to be a little space in the middle there where these two things meet and where you will be able to make money doing things that you love to do all the time. Like love, 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 and everything's going to fit. But it's never going to be like this. Very rarely, right? Some people, the very thing that makes them money is the only thing on earth they ever fucking want to do. That is fucking rare, dude. Mm. That's rare. Typically, it's like, okay, this is the space. Ooh, okay. And sometimes we got to color outside the line. We got to play outside the space and do things we don't really, we're not like super excited about, but like that's part of life and blah, blah, blah. So the commercial thing I feel is like, it's pretty simple, mm -hmm. right? You have to like, you don't want to do something you absolutely hate to do on the other side of the spectrum, right? I'm not, I don't want to sell cigarettes, right? But do I want to do brand identity for SMBs and startups for the rest of my days? And does that fill up every AJ Leon bucket? Mm -hmm. No, that's insane. Right, but that's what's that's what we're sold. Yeah, we're sold that your passion has to align with one hundred percent. Those things have to meet like this, and the thing that you love to do is the thing that people are going to pay you to do. Mm -hmm. And that's all anyone ever focuses on. That's why they forget about the other two. But as human being, right, you've got commercial, right, and then there's going to be this. You know, there's going to you've got to meet the concentric circle. You know, do things you like to do, obviously, to make money. But something, you know, not every, people don't like meeting. I don't. No one likes meeting with clients. Mm -hmm. You know. No one likes to get revisions back. Mm -hmm. You got to do some stuff you don't like to do to make money, right? Mm -hmm. The other circle, right? I'd say the very next circle over here that nobody really talks about is creative, right? And within there, I would throw everything. Did you ever want to get into films? Yeah. Did you ever want to publish books? Yeah. Did you ever want to do art and, you know, uh, hospitality, open coffee shop, open a bar? You know, these are things that are within. It's not like... Yes, you could open a, a bar or publish books to make money, right? But you wouldn't, that wouldn't be the number one motivation. Do you see what I mean? I do. Because I, 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 I was thinking about this um, not, not too long ago. Like, we're sold that our hobbies have to be monetized. That's just, that's and so I feel... Sure, I, don't, I feel it's like a thing that's happened to millennials just over time because of social media and the rest yeah. of it. Like, you see someone making money by just wearing certain types of clothes or doing a piece of artwork and then you think you yourself can do it you end up making content this and the other you're hoping you can make money out of it and then it drains the passion away from what you actually love doing so but so like how do you even stop that from happening like how do you find love in your hobby and doing it for the sake of like i love doing it well so i would throw hobbies mm -hmm. hobbies hobbies like i like to go kiteboarding or whatever i don't but i don't even know what the fuck that is but <laughs> but like that's just that's hobby like literally for you know you 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 do it on vacation okay. or yeah. you know hiking mm -hmm. people like to go on walks and if that's what you're describing i mean you know. I, I mean like say um i'm trying to think what it's on for now yeah maybe if, whether it's hiking whether it's even writing blogging because i think there's other elements like i want to i want to make my own rum one day Okay, so can, do you mind if I jump in here? That's a great example, right? That is like, it's a hobby, mm -hmm. right? But it's got to exist in the real fucking world. Mm -hmm. Right? 
Hiking doesn't exist in the real world. Mm -hmm. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. No one fucking cares, yeah. right? Now you can tell yourself every fucking hobby's got to so that you got to start a YouTube channel on hiking, and that's what people do, right? What to your point about just pure form hobbies. But when you're talking about that, that's got to live in the real world. It's got to sell somewhere. Yep. It's got to be good, yep. right? Because you don't want me drinking. You know I'm a drinker. <laughs> you don't want me drinking that shit being like, yeah. Take this back. This wrong as dog shit. <laughs> okay. I'm not, you know, so that, that exists in, in, and that is this creative world. So mm -hmm. I would put hobbies, I feel like hobbies are out here. Like mm -hmm. you got, you got to know what you like to, if it's reading, hiking, that's not what the fuck I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about creative things that touch the real world in some way, shape, or form. In other words, you have to operate within the game. Yeah. Still economic, still how are you going to get the distillery, it's still all that shit, right? But, and this is the big but, right? People conflate. They think that because you start a rum company, you're playing the bi uh, binary game, right? In this, in the commercial world, it's a binary game, baby. Mm -hmm. You got to make money. You either make money, you lose money, period. Yeah. You make the money to pay your mortgage, to pay your rent, to pay blah, blah, you know, to, to feed your kids and then have enough left over to fund these, to seed fund yourself, right? Or you probably don't get to do these motherfucking things, mm -hmm. right? And it's a binary game, right? You, that, that's, this is, the, the, these things in this constituent are the infinity game. Mm -hmm. And in an infinity game, the purpose of playing the game is simply to continue playing the game. This is win-lose. Mm -hmm. If you don't make the money that you need to make, you don't get to do the things you want to do, mm -hmm. like eat a sandwich or pay your fucking rent or fund these things. But this, the only reason you need to do these things is in order to continue doing them. Mm -hmm. Profit doesn't matter. Do you see what I mean? So it's like passion projects, essentially. That I don't have to make money doing films. Yeah. yeah. All I have to do is make enough money to continue doing films. Because, mm -hmm. I, I, you know what I'm saying? If I, when, when I open a bar, I'm opening a bar in Cape Town next month, right? I don't care about whether I make money from that bar. I can't lose money, mm -hmm. right? But the mere, just having that bar makes me happy. Mm -hmm. You know, we're paying a bunch of people. I get to be creative. I get to do my thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you're a rum company, like you, you want to do that. That's a passion thing. Why do you, if you're already commercially making money somewhere else, right? And then you seed fund this, and maybe you pay yourself back so you can do seed fund other things, right? But as long as this rum company doesn't lose money, are you happy making rum? I mean, you get to do the thing that you wanted to do, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. Now, you can tweak and dial and this and that to try to see if one of these things could potentially, you know, make some money back. That's mm -hmm. great. But if it doesn't, as long as it doesn't lose money, the purpose of creative projects in our lives is simply, I mean, a lot of them are just to continue doing them. And I think we, as within a capitalist world, are, are sold a, a you know a bill of dog shit, mm -hmm. which is basically every fucking thing that we apply our, our energy to has to make money. Has to make a lot of money, right? And if it breaks even, if I run a restaurant and it's the coolest fucking restaurant in all of Shoreditch, right? No, I make money somewhere else. I've got my commercial stuff. I'm saying, but I founded it. I love it. All my friends that get to go there, you you know, we get to hang out there. Blah blah blah. And, you know, it pays its staff and doesn't lose any money. Maybe it makes a little, but it doesn't make a ton. Mm -hmm. But I love it. What am I going to shut it down because it doesn't make money? That's absurd, right? I mean, it, it, to me, to me, as a person, you know, a person like me, that to me is crazy. Yeah. 
And if you try to apply the commercial metric to every creative thing that you ever do, then you're not going to do any of these things. Mm. Mm. So how do you stop yourself from applying that commercial metric? I don't give a shit about money. Yeah. You know, I know how to make it. I mm -hmm. make enough, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I make good money. I may, I, but I calculate it, right? I'm like, okay, these little AJ, like even young AJ, right? Little baby AJ was like, okay, these are the things that I want to do. Mm -hmm. So I've, I, you know, I always had these big dreams of wanting to open bars and wanting to, you know, produce films and publish books and all this stuff. And I had to, one by one, I had to figure out, okay, a create, generate enough revenue here in the commercial things that I do to be able to pay the people that need to be part of that, yeah. right? Pay my lifestyle, yeah. and my lifestyle is very, it's not, I don't own, <laughs> I own nothing. I mean, I own seven shirts, one pair of jeans, one pair of, but I fucking travel a lot, yeah. right? Because I love travel. So uh, the money that people spend towards shit, I spend on it. I mean, I've traveled to fucking 75 countries and, you know, and I, neither one of my parents had a passport, you yeah. know? So like, I, and that's what I do now, you know, so I've got to be able to fund that. And then I've got to be able to have enough money left over to be able to seed fund these other activities. Mm -hmm. Hopefully I can get these things to the point where they're breaking even or maybe returning some. You get surprised. Sometimes, you know, yeah, you do you your own company. It's like, fuck, you yeah. know, it is making money. And that's great. But you've got to be happy if it's not, but it breaks even and it doesn't lose money, mm -hmm. but it brings you tons of joy. Great. Sweet. Yeah. Hire a team around it. Awesome. You get to scale that out. You get to work on other things. Right. That was my model. It's mm -hmm. not everybody's model. Right, but to me, I just think free market capitalism, it's it, to apply this binary game thinking to everything we fucking do, to me, to me personally, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody, but whatever, is fucking absurd. And I don't think that anyone on a first principles basis would actually think that way. Mm -hmm. I think we're in, we inherit these ways of thinking, right? And then everybody, I say it and it sounds fucking crazy, and yet everybody loves you know, going to my bars and watching the films and what you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Great, and, your money. And, and they're and they're all like, "Hey, I wish I could do that too." I'd be like, "You can. You can. Yeah. You just have to. You have to judge based on. You know, you have to look at the game that you're playing. You're not always playing the same game. It's not always a binary game. You know what I'm saying? So, the, so philanthropy. That's a losing game, right? That's winning in my heart. Mm. But there's only it's a capital outflow. Yeah. Right. That that is a, a pure capital outflow. So I have to have an again within commercial. This sphere here has to have enough money to be, now I'm not working, when I started, it was, I did one thing, one creative thing that I wanted to do, and then, ooh, okay, let's see what we can do. And I, you know, some, some of those things end because they've got a life cycle, they've got a beginning, a middle, and an end, and that's it. Some things, like with film, I've been able to build a production company, now we've got a slate, we've gotten involved in multiple films, so now it's like, you know, there's gonna be a virtuous, there's a virtuous cycle of being able to do it all the time, mm -hmm. right? Some, like my conference, I was, I wanted to do it for three years, we did it for three years, great, I love, it's an amazing thing, I wanted to produce an amazing fucking conference in Fargo, North Dakota, I fucking did it, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then, but then once it gets to philanthropy, which is its own, there's not creative, this is like, I wanna help people, I wanna help people, I've gotta have some portion of this commercial, it's gonna go directly to here, and that is, that is a, it's, I'm giving this money away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the, re the reason why I did that was it, it, it because what the picture that I just laid out, right? And I'm glad you brought up hobbies because I think that's part of the kind of matrix, mm -hmm. you know? Although I, I was just focusing on when things touch the real world. Because even philanthropy touches the real, real world. If you're going to like build a well in Africa, whatever, you gotta, you know, you, you've know you got to figure out how to do that. Yeah. Hobbies are like, you know, you could like hiking and you can do that on your own. You should do things you like, right? Spend the nights and weekends doing things you like. So I would put hobbies around. But I would say, these, 
have your virtues. Like what are the things that if they, a decision comes up and it crosses one of these things, it's an absolute no. That'll just make your life so much fucking easier. Because then you're not, you know, not every opportunity you're considering. Yeah. Like for me, if I considered every opportunity, I'd fucking, you know, it's just too much, right? I know the moment, oh, bing, it hits that, nope, nope. Nope, nope. It helps me say no to a lot of things. Helps me focus my attention on the things that preserve this. But then underneath that, when it gets complicated, it's co my life is commercial, right? Creative. Mm -hmm. For me, this creative zone, we're not talking about hobbies over here. Creative zone includes producing uh, films, producing conferences, opening bars. I also want to do, you know, my own bourbon brand, you know, like things. I haven't gotten to certain things on the list, all that stuff. And then philanthropy. And that is. For me, diff, people have different ways of like doing philanthropy. For me, I'm like a very Jesus and the woman at the well type of giver. Mm -hmm. Why that woman and why that why, why why that well? Well, because Jesus was there and so was she, right? So I'm a very like, I want to be in a position to help people out that I just run into personally. Yeah, That's what I do. So like, you know, if I, everybody, all these projects that we've done all across the world, I literally ran into somebody and it's like, mm. I can say yes, because I've got a portion of this capital I keep aside to be able to say, yes, Candy Agaba in Kampala, Uganda, you want to do this program that is going to put all these young girls into school mm -hmm. instead of marrying these fucking assholes that'll fucking keep them in prison. Yeah. And it's going to, you know, change, you know, it's a women's economic empowerment is an incredible thing, but it's not an abstract. I'm not donating to some platform. I met her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She needs 5k, 10k to start that up. Bang. Here's, here's the check. Here's the seed money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a capital outflow. I'm not like, oh, how am I gonna, I just know. But but if you are able to do things that make money and say you make a, enough money to live the life that you wanna live, right? And assume that you're not a person who like loves Ferraris and fucking Hermes bags and all this dog shit, right? Imagine if you're just a normal person who hasn't been fucking completely washed through propaganda. You've got, you know, desire. You, you can you can quantify those desires, whatever those materialistic or experiences, whatever the fuck it is. You can make enough money to have enough set aside to be able to do at least one creative project at a time, right? Mm -hmm. At a time that you get to work on. And then, you know, say like every quarter... You know, or every half a year, you get to do really affect somebody's life, one person or a group of people, but you get to see them and touch them, right? That to me is a whole picture of a person, right? Have you ever met a person that had all those three things that wasn't happy as fuck? It's a good question. It's not often you meet people who have all those three things anyway, because I feel sometimes when you have the commercial element, like, so if the commercial element isn't going well, it can affect your decision making at the top. And so you're therefore making decisions which are against what you wanted in the first place, right? Against the freedom, against the adventure. Has there been a time where you felt you were compromising too much? Where things might have not been going as well as expected? Um, I mean, definitely things have gone up and down, you know, topsy-turvy a, a, a ton of times. You know, it's mm -hmm. been a roller coaster. It's not like, you know, up and to the right. I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm proud of myself in the sense that in the moments when that came up where I would have really made a decision I couldn't walk back from, mm -hmm. you know? So there were opportunities to bring in big investors, people that wanted to own a, a bit of Misfit. Um, I closed down my conference before I would take any money for it because I knew it would kill the very thing I loved. Uh, there's been a lot of moments where I've been like, mm, no, this doesn't fit in. And... You know, so I, 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 it's very important to preserve your ability. Hello, DJ. 
<laughs> is that my fucking phone? It must be. That is so weird. Have, have, have I've never heard that before. It must have Siri must have been listening or something. Oh my god, bro, that's <laughs> fucked, dude. That's so fucked up. Like, why, why do we live in this time? It's I know, right? Like, uh, anyways, I forgot what the fuck I was. Um, so like. Oh yeah, things so, not going right. Well, whatever, yeah. I mean, things don't go right, but that's different than you actively making a decision that will put you in a position where you'll be trapped. Mm. Right? Things are not going to go right. Like you're going to lose clients and think, you know, or 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 jobs or you know whatever. Or, or this idea might not work out. There's a lot of things that I've launched that commercial things, you know, projects, products that just didn't work out for mm. one way, for one reason or another. Right? But to put yourself in a position where you will impinge you will literally incarcerate yourself and not be able to do the actively pursue these other two things unless this is the thing that fills you up right you're gonna find that you're you're trapped in a prison except it's locked from the inside and you're holding the key you know yeah yeah and i find a lot of like so in the startup world you know a lot of people and again you know it's i'm not throwing shade it's just because we both operate in that world mm -hmm. so like but you, you know if you take a series a series b you know you're on that track your investors if you're like oh i am flying to ghana to work on this really interesting philanthropic project oh i'm producing films oh on the weekend only your investors are going to be like i'm sorry what are mm -hmm. you doing because they want you to stay focused on the thing that makes them money mm -hmm. you know and maybe you do get to do the creative things later on in life maybe you're not my dad and you don't yeah. eat it early you know so you're, you're you're not a big proponent of like focusing on one thing you like diversification i think it's insane to focus on one thing i don't think it maps to the human condition i think i think we do it i understand why we do it mm -hmm. and i understand why i mean even when as i say this i'm investing in startup because if that's their choice right and they want to do this one thing for the next 20 that's their choice mm -hmm. right it, and but I don't think it maps. I think that we're way more diverse than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. You know, and I think we inherit ways of thinking that, and then, and then by inheriting those ways of thinking, we end up making decisions that incarcerate us to those ways of thinking. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. We're not unlocked units, but what I, the, the, the picture I've just painted of like, imagine you've got somebody who, you know, there's, they've got the commercial side. And again, they don't have to make it. Maybe they have to move mm -hmm. to fucking, you know, Southeast Asia in order to, to make it work commercial because they've got to lower their cost of living or move to their, you know, maybe they can't live in New York, right? Whatever the fuck it is, right? But as long as you've got enough to be able to cover your own and, and, then, and then enough to be able to do at least one creative thing that is off the books, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not hiking. It's your rum brand. It's like something that you're really passionate about, mm. that you love fucking doing, that that may or may not monetize, but the whole fucking point of doing it is to continue doing it, right? Mm. Mm. And then at the same time, once a year, once a year, you set aside a little money where you really fucking help somebody out. Yeah. Some per person or group of people, you go out, you see them. If you get that, that's the human condition, right? Every human alive would be like, fuck, yeah, that's my dream. Like, that would be awesome. That's what I mean, right? Yeah. Where it's like this focus on one thing, that's an economic thing, right? We're just, th those are inherited ideas. Like, we, mm -hmm. why, why would we even fucking do that? Mm. Do you wake up? I mean, I've, you know, everyone you've ever met, you think anyone wakes up 
wanting to just do this. But they, they say that doing the one thing is also a map to say like discipline, right? And so, because it's like that inherited thinking. So for example, if you worked a certain way where you wake up in the morning, you sit down, you look at your emails first thing, you naturally think that that's what you're meant to do every single day. Even if there's no need to check your emails, you can yep. check it on a fly. You don't even, even working in the office, I think that that's an inherited thinking, which now has been shake, shaken a lot because you can find that ways to do things which have distributed teams, right? Um, but I feel like when you're trying to shake that off, how do you balance that feeling of not be, being busy, but people feel being busy is being productive, but they're two different things. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you kind of have to figure out what productive is versus being busy. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like inherited thinking is being busy all the time. Oh, totally agree. But yeah. it's not. No, and, and I think for me, it's like a step, it's like two rungs up the ladder from there where it's like, what do you want your life to be? Yeah. Let's not even talk about Wednesday at three o'clock, what are you doing? I don't even want to talk about like, oh, what's your daily routine? Okay, I'll get that, so. <laughs> I, and I'll answer the question, but I'm saying yeah. in this context, right? That's like, uh, we would be having two different conversations because what I would say is you're 33 when you're 50, right? Well, a future Yemi, older Yemi, what do you want? Like, what would make you happy 10 years from now? If you looked and were like, yeah, fuck, I did a rum brand. I got to travel to these six places. Like, whatever the fuck that is, you got to map back from there. That's what I mean, right? And if people did that, first principles, like without any other thought, they're really sitting there like, what do I, what are the, what do I want? Like five years from now, five, I think five years from now is a great match. 10 years from now is so insane. Like how, it's too far away. The world changes so much, right? But five years from now, where, you know, what would make me happy? Like, you know, like where, and, and, and honestly, I think using these three, like assuming you're a person that likes to help other people, which I think most people are, and assuming you're a person that isn't just like, I don't know, like just enamored with the idea of, of, of business. And this is the only thing you like to do is make money. Assuming that you're one of us that like grew up and like, man, I'd love to produce films. Okay, cool. Well, why don't you? Oh, well, I don't know anything about it. Well, it cost, doesn't it cost a lot of money? Well, not to do a short, and that's where you start. I, pr I produce shorts, yeah. you know, yeah. and then you get, you, just, you know what I'm saying? Well, I I, yeah, there's something powerful in just being sure about what you want it is, because I feel like going back to what you said, being clear on what you don't want, yeah. then the next step is being clear on what you do want, because then when opportunities come, as you were saying, you can filter between yeah. does it make sense for me, does it make sense for me to do it or not to do it? I had a problem with that in the sense that like, I'm very flexible and I could see any opportunity as a development opportunity, whether it might not be in the direct line for yep. me because I expected something to happen, like mm. a glitch, mm. yeah, mm. that will shake me out of the matrix and be able to do what I want to do. Mm. But what I realise is that, no, you kind of have to have a clear picture of say, okay, here's the, here's the end goal. Does this decision take me on that route or does it take me on a detour that pushes that end goal five years from now or does it bring it closer? Yeah. And those kind of active trade-offs rather than a passive trade-off of Yemi of tomorrow can figure it out. You know? A hundred percent, man. Yeah. I totally agree. And, yeah. and, and I would say instead of want singular, I'd say wants plural. And that's mm. where people, because people try to think like, what's the one thing you want, right? But it might be like the way that you make money, just decouple. I'm not, I'm not saying you, I'm saying this yeah, yeah, person, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Decoupling the idea of like how we make money from the, the totality of who we are. 
mm. right? And I think that's a really important thing to do. And that's what people don't do. And that's when I end up like, no, 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 you don't have, right? So it's like, if somebody was like, oh, I wanna, I'd really love to get into films. I'm like, why don't you? I think it's because time is money, right? And with things such as a film, how do you do it like from the, on a day-to-day -day basis? Like you have to be involved to a some, some certain degree. If you're, if you're not the actor, if you're not the script writer, if you're not the, 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 the cameraman, like how do you, especially if you're working a normal nine to five job, like how do you get into film when you have to still show up at the office every single day? Yeah. So well, then that's when people say, I have to make money with filming. Sure. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and understood, except like, you know, I don't, I mean, I, I don't, agree with even a nine to five, you know, weekend type thing. I, I would say like, if, it just depends on, on how bad, some people don't want to live a life of independence mm -hmm. enough to do anything outside of their nine to five. After their nine to five, they want to watch Netflix and Actually, and, yeah. and beat off and whatever the fuck people do. I have no, no, you know, I don't know what people do for fun these days, <laughs> to be honest, but like, and, and that's fine. If, the, if they're happy, if they're happy, I'm happy for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people don't have the, but assuming that you're not, Right, and assuming that there are these other things you want to do, well, then you have nights and weekends. And how do you get into film? Back filmmakers. There's, mm. <laughs> there's like the, there's my, so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I. I mean, my easiest way went like this. This is what people are like. I I do so many things, bro. I've done so many different things, and everybody's like, "Oh, how did you like?" But but you must have gone to films, I, bro. I started an agency before. I'd never worked in an agency. I started. I've never worked in venture capital before. I did that. I never worked on a film set. I never went to film school. I've never worked in a bar. I've ne you know all the things. I've never fucking worked on a conference team before. I produced my first conference. You figure it the fuck out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the first thing you do is you back other people doing it because that's the quickest MBA that you can get. So what I would do, if somebody wanted to get into film, I'd be like, oh, cool. Well, you live in London, which is one of the fucking film... Ca There's so many young kids out there making films and shorts, and that's how they build their career. So just most, you know, a budget short, about 10K, you know? You can become an executive producer on that. By giving them, you know, thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand, you know, something to now you got to give up your own money, but like, well, going to film school is a quarter million dollars, right? Kicking some kid three K is nothing, but now I'm an EP on an actual fucking set, right? With a film school student, right, and their team, and they've got you know they they built their their team. I get to be part of pre development, pre production, production, post production. And if it does get in the festival circuit, I get to go to festivals and build a network. That's there. <laughs> wow. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm like, Ooh, this is the cheapest investment I ever made. <laughs> what? 3K. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly what I did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah and yeah. now like one of our features, which is uh, like, I mean, literally just got announced a week ago. It's called Bat, Bad Like Brooklyn Dancehall, which is about the Jamaican dancehall scene. Um, that was a precursor to hip hop. It's, it's premiering at Tribeca. Amazing. Feature, feature doc, right? And it's, and it's premiering at Tribeca, but years ago, I started exactly this way, mm -hmm. you know? That bar in Cape Town that I'm opening, this, this is the first bar, like, I, I'm an investor in a, in a restaurant down the road, right? I'm a small investor, but I wouldn't call myself a partner. It's called Apothecary, it's a great place, you know, restaurant bar, my buddy Dom runs it, so I chucked a little cash in. Was I trying to make money? By going into the restaurant industry, that would be the dumbest fucking idea. Yeah. Nobody, you don't make money. You know, you, like absolutely not. That was me backing a friend, but also I got on the inside. I've gotten to sit there and talk with Dom about the PL, about wastage, 
about his situation with the landlord, about marketing, all the stuff that I didn't know. Now I'm a, a consummate consumer. I love restaurants and all that stuff. But for that small investment in, in apothecary, I do like, I'm just putting that in. Maybe I'll get it back. Maybe I'll get a little, I don't care. Right. Mm -hmm. Because what I get is dumb yeah. and his team. And I've gotten to get a ton of knowledge. Now from that knowledge, I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm ready now to be a named partner at a bar. Mm. Right. So when I, and I'm looking around the world, I'm traveling around the world. So, you know, now is my first bar. I'm going to open it in New York. Fuck no. Why? Because if you try to open a bar in New York city, it's a $1 million investment. Yeah. Easy. You know, London, 700, 600. So me being a smart, you know, hustler like I am, I'm like, okay, what are geo, what, what are geos around the world where I could, you know, the, the, I could do something, the quality that I want to do, but I could actually afford to be a named partner on it. Right. And I was looking around and meeting people and I was in Manila and Bangkok. And then I got to Cape Town in August and it's around my birthday and I'm feeling good. And I'm going to this fucking bar. I'm at this bar. This is, this is literally how, so I've got this thing in my notebook. Oh, I want to get in the rest. Now I told you how I got into apothecary right down mm -hmm. the road. Right. I got into it, but I knew that was just an education. Great. I'm still a name partner. It's still open. Hopefully, you know, we get that money back. And then I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm in a place now. I get this industry well enough to be able to open a bar. So I'm, I'm looking not actively, right. But, but passively, like as I travel around meeting, I'm, I'm in Cape Town near my birthday. I go to this, this, uh, cafe called, uh, um, Cafe Noir that has a, uh, bar program at night. I start hanging out there at night. Nobody's in this fucking place. Zero people. Right. But I'm tasting these drinks and dude, I know cocktails. These are good. Some, some of the best drinks I've ever had in my life. Amazing. Amazing. Right. I'm like, who is this guy? Fucking, oh, who's the bar lead bartender? I meet Nick Krause. And I just make friends with Nick Krause. I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, I started the program. You know, it's a pandemic. It's really tough in South Africa. I'm like, okay, well, what's your dream? What have you always wanted to do? And he's like, well, I always want, want to launch a bar. You know, it's called Talking to Strangers. It's kind of a, you know, passion project. And I'm like, well, do you have a deck? Like, what do you? And he's like, oh, you can tell he's just freaking out. Yeah. And I'm like, well, give me a deck by the end of the week. I leave in two. I'm really interested. He gets a deck together. Blah, blah, blah. He ships it to me. I'm like, dude, I love this concept. This is what Cape Town needs. Right, and I'm like, cool. I'm your first check in. I'm your first check in. I'm first domino guy. So now you got you got my money, right? Now it's much less money to open a bar in Cape Town than it is in London, but that's all he needs, right? But you got my money. Go round up five other people and let's let's get this motherfucker up. Yeah. That was the, this last August. The bar's opening a week from now. Amazing. I'm an, I'm one of five name partners, right? Now, whether I make that money, I'm sure I will. Nick's an incredible bartender. I understand the the, the 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 scene in Cape Town. I understand the cocktail scene. I understand how to make great bars and blah, blah, blah. And I know we're going to fucking kill it. We'll probably make that money back. But even if I don't, that's just another rung on the ladder mm. of me being able to then the next step is Misfit Original. So I've got a fucking long list, but I'm not going to do that until I've now backed two people you know, maybe I'll open another bar with Nick and those partners so that I learn even more, mm -hmm. right? I got to get into the PNL. I got to, that's touching reality. Uh, before I put 150K of my own money into my own bar, you better believe I'm, I'm going to back two or three people sure. because then by then I've gotten the education that most people, they're just going to dump into the first one and that's fucking, that's a crapshoot. That's awesome. I like that. I like that. It's like a quick ticket into the game. That's it, bro. Yeah. Um, mate, we have um, talk for hours. I've got two last questions to yeah, ask. Yeah, yeah, dude. And I'm sorry. So, if I could give you an extra hour every single day, how would you spend that extra hour? Drinking. 
drinking bourbon. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, an extra hour every single day. Because mm-hmm. we didn't talk about routine, so this can give insight in terms of like, would you go it for more sleep, more, I don't know, commuting time, more time at home? Like, how would you spend? Find an extra hour every day, I would probably dedicate it to um, going either to more art galleries for inspiration or uh, to reading, to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. That's it. Cool. Um, what's the worst piece of advice you've ever received that you listen to? Uh, f- do one thing and do it very well. Cool. But just the one. Just the one thing. Amazing. Thank you, AJ. Um, where can people find you, contact you, send their pitch decks to you? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I'm just going to get this. Actually, no, people are going to be like, not that guy. Fuck, he, he hates VC. Uh, yeah, it's just on, on Twitter, I'm AJ Leon. Uh, same thing on Instagram. And you can find, if you just go to Misfit or search Misfit AJ, you'll find a bunch of stuff. Misfit.co. Awesome. Appreciate it, AJ. Thank what you. A, what a pleasure, man.